podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Your comment on my projection, my theater projection, my theater skills at projecting. Guys, we like to start every podcast with Andy talking about his theater background. (laughs) Oh, sorry. Already already blew it. Welcome to Star Trek The Next Conversation. (laughs) I'm Matt Myra. And I'm Andrew Secunda. Guys, we have got a week for you. This this is the week we've all dreaded. It's Angel One. That's right. Oh, have we dreaded this one in particular? Well, I have. No. Um, Mostly because I was aware of the... uh, of the episode being bad. Yeah. Like I've have a I have a vivid memory of not enjoying this episode. And upon rewatching it. Well, we'll save it till the end. Sure, you don't wanna you don't wanna rush in and say whether you enjoyed it. But you should say whether the audience should watch it, man. Negatory good buddy. No. Save yourself forty four minutes. All right. Uh, use that time watching uh something else, like uh The next episode. The next episode. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, did we decide what we're doing as far as the mail is concerned? I think we should save it. We're we going to ha- save the mail, had, guys. I, interestingly, I asked last week, should we move it to the end? And then before we even received a letter, uh, before we even aired the episode, we received a letter saying yeah. it was a, it's a little bit, it slows down the show. So we're going to move it to the end today. Well, it's and, also he does it for 26 minutes and then doesn't realize he's going so long. Is he me? Yes, is he is happening? you. You know what? I'm just trying to give voice to our... He's trying to give. ...our dedicated fans. Uh, well, I appreciate that, as do the fans, and you'll have a voice later in the show. We're recording this episode before Data Lore comes out, so if you're like, where are all the corrections for everything Matt got wrong on Data Lore? Um, they'll be happening the following week. Sure. But this week, uh-huh. we are joined by production number 115. <laughs> You're really going to disappoint them because they thought, finally, we're getting a guest. Nope. Soon, no. though. We'll do it soon. Sure. This episode aired the week of January 25th, 1988. Andy, what was the number one song? Matt, the number one song was Need You Tonight by In Excess. Oh. He's got it queued up, folks. I think I know what you're talking about. In the UK, Heaven is a Place on Earth <laughs> by Belinda Carlisle. Still number one. Christ. Belinda. Belinda, unstoppable. Crushing in a country the size of uh, Louisiana. I really want to get Jane Wheatland on the show. Okay. Is that impossible? Everybody tweeted her. I want to start. Um, Who tweeted her? No, I'm saying everyone should tweet at her. Oh. And say, hey, there's this great podcast that mentions you often. And then I can become best friends with Jane Wheatland. And then it's like, but why, why do they ever sign it? all my frosted CDs that I don't know where they are? We mentioned you because you were number one in England the entire run of Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, no, actually, it was Belinda that was. Jane oh, Wheatland sorry. was. <laughs> so it's kind of a bad segue. <laughs> wait, wait, I just assumed Belinda would never be on this podcast, whereas Jane might have some interest. Well, I think now you're just making her feel bad. But the fact that she entertained the thought for a second before I said that thing I said. Wait, Jane or Belinda? Who cares? Guys, <laughs> start a 416-36.9. Bonfire of the Vanities by Tom Wolf was one of the best-selling books. Go ahead. That's a, that's a, I'm going to turn both of us down. We're both peaking. Oh, I don't mind. 
I know you don't mind, but if Andy wants to hear us, I can turn up the headphones for him and make everybody at home still have a pleasant listening experience. Okay. Oh, I'm going the wrong way, Andy. I'm so sorry. I don't care. The episode was directed by Michael Rhodes and written by Patrick Barry. Heavy guest cast. I don't mean the should heavy. You, I mean should you like keep In Excess playing? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's a good song. I have thought about um, having the ambient noise of the Enterprise playing throughout the entire podcast. That's, I, a, that's a thought I had. And then I was like, no one would enjoy that but me. I have raised that question. You gave me a flat no. Well, I mean... Guys, we're going to give you a little taste of what it would be like while just while we go through the uh, the description of the episode and, and so you all know what, what you might be in for. Okay. Here we are on board. Guys. Guest cast. Karen Montgomery as Beata. Ramsey. Sam Hennings. Ariel. Patricia McPherson. And Trent. Leonard. John Crowfoot. What a fucking name that is. It's like a hobbit name. Leonard John Crowfoot. I feel like he'd be a very good tracker in the Wild West. I'm sorry, this is Star Trek. The Ancient West. (laughs) So here's the plot, guys. Searching for survivors from a freighter that's been missing for seven years, the Enterprise visits the matriarchal planet Angel One and gets a frosty reception from its female leaders. Riker especially seems out of place as Yar and Troy handle the diplomacy. But he finds a more personal way to gain leader Beata's trust. Survivors are found, and they refuse to return. They have taken wives from among the outcasts on the planet who don't like the status quo, dominant women and submissive men. Back on board the Enterprise, crisis breaks out as a virus from the holodeck... (laughs) Yeah. I don't even know where to begin on this. From a holodeck file ravages the ship, and Starfleet wants a response to a reported Romulan incursion near the neutral zone. So do they... I know that it starts... With well, I don't know. I guess we'll get into it. Yeah, I know that it will. starts with with uh, Wesley <laughs> throwing the snowball at Picard, but is that when it starts? I mean, or is that what it comes from? That's what they're trying to tell us. That's inane. Oh boy, oh boy, guys, back on board the Enterprise. Uh, they have to get to the Romulan neutral zone, but they can't because they're busy dealing with everyone's cold. The renegade women are discovered and sentenced to death. With their Federation mates as enemies of society, Riker wants to intercede and violate the Prime Directive by beaming the outcasts aboard. But with the epidemic in full swing, Crusher forbids it. Finally, both dilemmas are resolved. The Doctor finds an antidote to the virus, and Riker persuades Beata to forego the death penalty. She allows the group instead to be exiled to a remote part of the planet, and the Enterprise warps out to counter the reported Romulan activity, which, by the way, would have been a much better episode. Very much. What do you think about the ship noises in the background, guys? Let us know. Or don't. It calmed me. <laughs> I do. I miss it a little bit. I feel like you should have that running in your house all the time. Uh, I oh. sleep to it, as I've told you before. Wow. I put that in on my headphones, and I fall asleep to that. I actually go with the one from the, from the quarters. I don't... The, 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 I Just feel like the there's hum. too much activity. No, no, no. Yeah, you don't want There's it. too much activity on the bridge. That gives your brain uh, the, the sort of su- subconscious feeling of like, oh, there's stuff uh, you got to do, Matt. Yeah, I feel like I fell asleep at my post. But you, the, should, you should be scanning. You should be. This is what the quarters sound Keeping an eye on the engines. If you're wondering. Now that's delightful. That's the best white noise there ever was. Oh, yeah. We're just humming through space, guys. Occasionally you hear someone use a replicator. 
probably to make some tea. Uh, this is, I should give this guy props. This is the uh, YouTube account Ender4, the number four, Life. It is an ambient background audio sets from the Star Trek series intended for sleep, relaxation, role playing in your living room, uh, and turning it into the bridge of the Enterprise. <laughs> And we've used it. I've used it for all of its purposes. <laughs> sure. So, Andy, let's yes. hear what the captain's log is. Captain's log, Stardate 41636.9. As feared, our examination of the seven-year-overdue Federation freighter Odin, disabled by an asteroid collision, revealed no life signs. However, three escape pods were missing, suggesting the possibility of survivors. Sounds cool, right? Sounds promising. We think we're on like, uh, we're in for some sort of fun episode where they're looking for survivors and we're not in for a fun episode. We're in for a garbage episode built around Angel One. Angel One has evolved into a constitutional oligarchy. It is governed by a parliamentary body consisting of six elected mistresses and headed by a female they refer to as the elected one. It sounds like my own planet. Except for this stupid elected one title. It sounds like my old planet. What accent are we using today, Deanna? (laughs) Uh, So, you know, on the surface, I'm like, okay, a planet run by women sounds fun. Let's see what they're doing down there. Sure. And then you get down there and it's like... It's just a a male-female reversal and nothing else. There's no twist on it. There's no... No, it's interesting... First of all, I have a lot of questions about where, because uh, it feels like it's almost in absence of Riker making a stronger point that I almost feel like, because it's sort of like, oh, I think Riker's on the right side of things here, uh, gender politics wise. But it's like he almost doesn't say enough when he's saying, when he's addressing the issues. Right. He, he kind of, I mean, I'll get into it later, but... Um, but that's my main my main issue with the whole thing. Wait, so you're saying your main issue is that they didn't do enough with? The- I feel like they have the class. Well, first of all, Karen Montgomery, who is who plays the elected one, Beata. Uh huh. Um, right. a year before I called her Beata. Whatever, it's cool. Uh, I'd be curious which one was right. Um, I am Beata, the elected damn one. Damn it. <laughs> Proven wrong immediately. <laughs> I've never had something queued up so correctly on this show. So, it was an accident, but it worked out. I just got, I just got slammed. I just got, I just went up for a dunk and got rejected. Um, so, uh, anyway, Beata, that's her name. Yeah, that's her. That's her phony made-up name. Um, she, um, she was played by Karen Montgomery, and I think it it points to my to my issues with this episode. You don't have to turn me down. I no, like I do when you're me. when you're going into the red, I do. Oh, the Sorry, red. Buddy. You and the red. Um, <laughs> I promise. The year before, It'll she all be was, the same level when we're done. She was in, can you guess what movie? The year before, Karen Montgomery was in... What would be tied thematically? Yeah, I don't think you're going to guess it. Uh, it's comedy. It's thematically got, tied. It's got some sexy moments in it. Sexy moments in a comedy. It's Porky's two. Ske- it is a sketch movie. A sketch movie. Yeah. She and she played. It's not Clue. No. Almost the same character. Oh, really? 
Uh-huh. I don't know what it is. Give it Amazon up. Amazon Women on the Moon. Oh, of course. Uh-huh. Amazon Women on the Moon. Which plays on 50s concepts. Uh, and I think there is a distinction, obviously, with the 50s B-movies that had this happening in that... Um, you know, it was more like the men going, this is crazy, and then sort of, uh, you know, making the, dominating the uh, the women on the other planet. But um, the only switch here is that they're a little more polite. There's no, I don't really feel like they make a good point. <laughs> Do they? Um, I think just seeing it is a good enough point on its own. I think it is interesting. Like, you know, I you know, it does spin it on its head and you're like, "Oh fuck, women are marginalized." It's kind of lame. But you know what it is? The 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 advantage of science fiction. I feel like I'm getting into it too fast. The advantage of science fiction. What do you mean you're getting into it too fast? This is the show we get into it as fast or as slow as we want. Fair enough. Uh the the advantage of science fiction is to take uh, a parallel um, situation mm-hmm. and be able to comment on it in kind of a safe way, or or make your 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 underlying themes clear. So they're addressing sexism. They're switching the sexes, and yet Biada and most of the women on this planet are kind of reasonable. <laughs> I mean, yes, there there's clearly an a, an oppressive element to it. Um, but I feel like the, the, um, the gender politics in our society is so much harsher. Well, I mean, they do say that the men can't vote. They don't have a voice. They're not allowed to do this, that, or the other thing. On the do they surface, say they don't, they, yes. they don't have a vote? Yeah. Okay. On the surface, they it. appear to be a happy society, but I think that it's very clear that the men are marginalized, much in the same way that women were marginalized in the... 21st century. All right. Uh, well, then I'm going to back off my point a little bit, but I still feel like it could have been addressed more directly Fucking in the interaction. Finally, this between, guy backs off a point. Between Riker and Beata. Do you think it's weird how, like, I, I found it weird how hard, like, what kind of a hard time Tasha was having with this whole thing? She was mostly just fixating on the. On the Riker hooking up with the lady stuff, right? Uh, yeah, crazy. So, here. Let's just... Here, the female is the hunter, the soldier, larger and stronger than the male. An arrangement considered most sensible and natural. I am Beata, the elected one of Angel One. Representatives of the Starfleet Enterprise, do you wish to petition? We do. We have reason to hope that survivors from a damaged Federation freighter may be marooned on your planet. We are seeking to learn if this is so. Even a world as remote as Angel One has heard of Starfleet. Searching the galaxy for survivors seems a petty task for one of their mighty vessels. We don't consider even one survivor petty. Is this man implying that we put a lesser value on life than you Oh, shit. Not at all. Uh, he definitely came out too strong, given it that it's, a, it's, it's diplomatic importance that has been, already been stressed. He's like, what are you saying, bitch? What are you saying about what we, what we do and don't do on my mighty vessel? I'm going to fly my mighty vessel right into your A-O. That's... Hickory dickory duck. 
Look at Commander Riker's cock. <laughs> oh. Guys, I want to apologize for any reference to Andrew Dice Clay. Fair enough. Um, so here they here they are in the room. Secure. Can we talk? And they can now talk yes. amongst themselves. Tricorder doesn't show any listening devices or anything else of a threatening nature. Oh, side note. Yes, let's have um, a side note. Tasha pulls the thing out she of the top of the tricorder. She has a medical she's It's a, a medical, medical tricorder. tricorder. And that's what the top part is? Yeah. Why, why does she have that? Uh, perhaps just, I don't know, someone missed a tone meeting. Well, wh- <laughs> a tone meeting is when the showrunner says, and this is what I want it to look like, and this is how I want it to be. Um, but uh, also, why why would a tricorder, they didn't have those in the old days. What is what is her having that little weird they vac- had them in the old vacuum days. duster attached? They always had them. The little things that are part of the tricorder? The salt shaker. pull out? Yeah. Oh. The little thing that Spock always held and that McCoy always held. That's what that is. It's the, now built into the tri it's now built into the tri- Oh, they board. had a second piece? Yeah. All right. That's I'm a bad Star Trek fan. I apologize You're to everyone. You're not a bad Star Trek fan. You're just a forgetful Star Trek fan. Well, that also is true. Troy. There was much fear in that room. Paranoia, I'd say. But of what? I cannot say. But their fear was not focused. I sense they were all not concerned for the same reason. Undoubtedly, there are survivors from the Odin on this planet. I agree. Otherwise, why would they be so circumspect? As Mistress Beata is so fond of saying, good question. What do we do if they deny the existence of survivors? Let's not look for problems. Now, I guess, should we play the the, uh, incursion of the virus <laughs> i guess it's funny to see picard yell at him or hear it because this is a so podcast the battle cruisers have been detected near one of our border posts they've requested our assistance as soon as ah. Ah. quick switch to adr after they got out of that turbo lift report mr crusher we finished our ski lesson sir and it kind of just happened on the Enterprise, Mr. Crusher, nothing just happens. What does it like smell? It constantly just happens. Mm, yes. Slightly reminiscent of night-blooming Drogni, Captain. From home. Quite stimulating, wouldn't you say? No. <laughs> Why? Why not? Anything. A little congested. The snow. Don't let this just happen again, Mr. Crusher. Yes, sir. All right, guys. This is this. That's the. It's a weird scene. That's the beginning of the virus that takes down the mighty vessel. Side note: uh, Wesley and his friend is uh, his extra friend. <laughs> yep. <laughs> a terrible extra acting on that that kid. Uh, nothing personal. If you're a grown up adult and are listening, um, well, but he like waves friend. his hands in he a weird way when he runs in. He couldn't. He's like, he, did. he did. When he Yay! ran, when he ran into the holiday. Ran into the holiday. I thought it was Will. Uh, from no, behind for a second and I was like oh it's the extra yeah and uh, uh, amazing outfits future ski outfits in the future With you'll headbands. still need a headband <laughs> sure the headbands are what keep them warm I mean <laughs> come on it's funny how so many of the future outfits on this show seem more retro than the late 80s even like it seems like it harkens back to the 60s from the 80s <laughs> I think that any projection of the future or the 70s, minimally. I think any projection of the future 
it's always hard. You're always hearkening back to either old future or you're trying something and then it just reminds you of what it was like in the 50s. I feel like Stanley Kubrick did pretty well. In 2001, A Space Odyssey? Uh-huh. Well, you didn't have to go that far. This wasn't, that wasn't 400 years in the future. Yeah, but those outfits still look years. like the future. Do they? A little bit. No, they don't. The ones with the no ties? I would love one of those outfits. <laughs> hey, does Bonobos make those? I'd like you to get one of those outfits and wear it around. That'd be great. Um, so here's... I want to play this. This is Data discovering perfume. And I thought, like any good observer of television would think, this was somehow related to the virus that it is not related to. Interesting. An alcohol-based synthetic artificially reproducing a floral scent. It's called perfume data. The purpose of which is? Certain cultures consider perfume an aphrodisiac. I'm unfamiliar with that term. An aphrodisiac is something used to stimulate or enhance sexual pleasure. How does stimulation of the olfactory nerves affect the enjoyment of sex? The elected one will see you now. It's Trent. Do they just do this to get him to spray it on himself? It does seem like an entire scene set up to have a dude spray himself with perfume you claim and that's it that's literally all that's they that's the, all, all that, that happens. happens in that scene that does not come back that Other is not anything to do with the, the virus hilarious data not knowing what perfume is by the way like it's just bad the, the have the virus on board the ship yeah be like perfume and to have that perfume scene completely unrelated to anything right is like a weird it's bananas yeah that's true but i mean of course uh, as i, could, I often I could do have saved them three hours of a shooting day <laughs> i think it took yeah it probably did take that long although they they tend to shoot in a lot of wides so um maybe they, they rush through a little bit more but, but you know what's weird on star trek is because it's four by three yeah i always find it just they stand so close to each other on the bridge when they're talking to each other and they're in that two shot like yeah. rikers like riker and picard are like practically touching noses not as not as much as they did in the first few episodes where it was completely bizarre no like everybody looked like they were always about to make out stay tuned buddy it happens throughout oh really but wait before you go on the the main thing that bothers me about this scene uh as i've as i've complained about um before before andy are you trying to play something and you can't i'm a terrible person Never gonna get old. <laughs> I really hope so because it seems like it's never gonna go away. Andy's common complaints. Uh, in stereo for the first time ever. The, and this one scene is a perfect example. They build the whole scene to this what we call a scene blow in comedy parlance, which is the punchline at the end of a scene. And it's just a dude spraying himself with perfume. Well, and nobody even even there to witness it. So it's just the audience going. Ooh. It's like, yeah, like cologne. <laughs> it's just, although I got to say that character Trent is uh, is really a, an amusing presence. I like him. I also like wonder how tall these women are and how short these men are, these extras. In reality. Yeah. Yeah. So. Because no woman could be that tall. That must be an effect. No, I'm just wondering if they just got, got I wonder if those guys are, for instance, my question is, are those guys five foot two and the women are five eight? 
Or are the guys five foot five and the women are six foot two? I assume. Uh, um, I mean, if she's playing an Amazon Karen woman Montgomery, on the moon, she's probably six feet tall. She's got to be minimally six feet tall, if not taller. Well, if you're out there, Karen, I think she email us your height. I think she passed away. Oh, it's a real downer, <laughs> Karen. If you're out there from beyond, yeah. contact us. She had a good full life. She had a lot of credits. A lot of credits. She became a producer <laughs> at some point. That's great. So proud of her. Good job, Karen. Karen, we miss you. So far, I've been able to rule out person-to-person contact. Well, keep with it, Doctor. Starfleet has very important business for us as soon as the away team returns. I don't fancy the idea of my crew being infected. Oh, no. I don't know if you're familiar with music stings. Was that the sound of someone being infected? That means that he's infected. Oh, hey, um... I, I don't know where you are exactly, but around 1226, and then I think later, um, when Jordy takes the bridge, there are these upward shots. Yes, that is one of them. Low-angle shots, and you can see stars above him. Yeah. that's Is that the top of the ship? Yeah, there's a dome. I know that there's a dome. I, I thought that we had established that, it, or I thought you had said that it wasn't necessarily the very top of the ship. It is the top of the ship. Yeah, it's Bo, the top of the ship. Bo, Bo, will you please? Bo, come here, buddy. Bo is, is licking me. Beauregard Bosch is guest starring. We're taping at, at Matt's house instead of Andy's house. He knows I have the treats. Omar Good is uh, Omar's probably Good running boy. rampant in Andy's sit apartment. Sit, Bo. Sit. 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 Bo, I know you're very excited, and Mom let you out for a reason, but I'm not sure what that is. Maybe you're pawing at something. Nice job, Andy. Thanks. Um, I threw him a treat, guys. So... Yes, the don't the bridge is the very top of the ship. So they're just top looking of the out of a section. window on top, or is that just a projection? I assume the view screen on top. The above top, him. the top is a. It's probably a force field. It's a force field. Gotcha. But he's, you're looking on real stars there. Yes. No, it's probably, it's got to be a dome. It's, it's got to be, be a dome, it's right? Probably transparent aluminum. Uh huh. You know. Invented in the uh, in, in 1986, San Francisco. If any uh, fellow geek out there uh, knows what it is, it's transparent aluminum. I know. Don't 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 okay. try to get well, some other geek in on this. Don't try to do just it. It's saying. transparent aluminum, right. guys. We'll, we'll, see. we'll just see. We'll see. Um, but it's the a dome. You can look out at the top. And then this the ship the 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 view screen on the Enterprise. That's a projection. That's a projection. And then the but the view screen on the movie ship. 2009 JJ verse is a uh, glass. That's crazy town. Yeah. Why would they have invented that in that timeline? Invented what? A, a worse a way of doing it? Yeah. <laughs> Where you can't zoom in on anything? I don't know. They don't. They must be able to zoom in. I'm sure they can. No. You can put things on that screen, but at the end of the day, it's glass. Fair enough. So. There is a virus ravaging through the ship. This is a heavy B story. Uh, a very heavy B story. Um, are, are you? Where are you up to? I'm, I'm think, I got to think of 1315. 1315. We're talking about when... Uh, when Picard when, tells Geordi to break orbit and scan the surface. Right and, here, buddy. Bridge to Captain Picard. Go ahead, Lieutenant. The away team requests that we scan the planet's surface for traces of platinum. Have Mr. LaForge break fixed orbit and initiate a search pattern. 
Aye, Captain. Jordy. Search pattern initiated now. Okay. Um, they look at each other like, oh boy. Oh boy, some heavy shit's about to go down. It's a weird look. But it's, it's like, a search. They're just scanning. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and it's also like the look from like. And the music backs Worf it up. Worf is like, you fucking kidding me? Right. Man? Like, what? A scanning? Like, what it is? seems like Worf has just realized that the blind guy is driving the ship. <laughs> well, if that's what it is, then I, I kind of respect it's it. It's like, oh shit. Can you do that? <laughs> Because Worf's rarely at ops, you know. I didn't realize you were next in command. Data's, uh, <laughs> I don't think anyone realized that. I, I, I like when Jordy. I mean, he is the Jordy next takes the bridge, and he loves. It should be the chief engineer, honestly, who's in charge at that point. Unless, yeah, unless Argyle's sick. You think Argyle's sick? He might be driving his cab in the forties. Let's listen to Captain Picard. This get is quite told. unnecessary, Doctor. I'm fine. You're infected with the virus, Captain. In my opinion, you are no longer physically able to effectively command this vessel. That is ridiculous, Doctor. I'm an away team down there in less than friendly territory. And in addition, I have an appointment with several Romulan battle crews. You have an appointment in your cabin, Captain, with your bed. Is that an order, Doctor? Yes. I think I may sneeze. A Klingon sneeze? Only kind I know. That's what is that? That's some fun banter between well, the two of them. That is not good banter. That's it like makes, it means nothing. I just love to see them trapped together on an away team planet. Ford, you have command until further notice. Please make the proper ship's log entries. Aye, sir. Easing into the captain's chair now. Oh yeah. He is erect. Scanners indicate. Platinum Trace. Well, Should I notify the mom's a captain, so he's probably pretty happy. Make it so. Oh no, the blind guy's telling me to make it so. <laughs> this is this is a mechaphile's dream. <laughs> is what we're watching here, getting to take control of the starship because that is that's about as close as he's going to get to having sex with it. Speaking of having sex, um, oh by the way, are you at 1950? Because uh, that might be later, or did you? Or that you is later. It? Um, okay. Would you like to stay on the B story theme? Yeah, do whatever you need. No, it's all right. Here we go. My 1950 is just a nice. It's advised. You have the bridge until Commander Riker returns. Engineering reports, computer mail. Going on, sneeze. I'm sorry. That's what it says in the Netflix. Uh, Getting sick. Captions. I'm Literally sure half the ship knows that by now. Report to sickbay, Lieutenant. Engineering to bridge. <sighs> LaForge here. The computer won't accept the variant climate controls. On my way. With all respect, Lieutenant, there are people to do that job now. LaForge to engineering. Lieutenant Wong knows that system. I'm sure she'll be able to resolve all problems. Worf? Thanks for the advice. Now that's a moment 
that is um, extraneous to the plot that I enjoy and is character illuminating and is a nice connection between Worf and Jordy. I 100% agree. And illuminates their relationship and uh, and how uh, how tough-skinned Worf can can also be supportive and Jordy's problems with uh, seeing himself as valuable in control. Uh, in in command. However, um, it does. I am confused as a new viewer of what is. Why does Jordy? Jordy has to go down to fix a lot of things when they have people like Argyle anyway. Right. So what is his position? Well, Jordy's in command. He's in the command division. He's wearing a red jer- uh, uniform. I almost mm-hmm. called it a jersey. Yeah. Um. So, you know, I don't know. Also, between this season and next season, he gets a two-rank bump. Yeah. He goes, he skips, he's lieutenant junior grade right now. He skips that, goes right to lieutenant, and then, boom, lieutenant commander. He's lieutenant commander. Yeah. I don't know how he did it. It's pretty valuable, though. He seems to know more than everybody else, even the people with superior ranking and positions. It seems like nonsense, like that they didn't let him be the chief engineer from the get-go because they wrote him like the chief engineer i assume it was to keep him more on the bridge i think but why would you do that when you know how essential scotty was in the original right like you know he was part of all the plots and there's an engineering station on the bridge scotty's was on the right of the uh of the turbo lift doors and he was up there constantly and i don't yeah it's very strange and and in addition to that all of the engineers uh, that they, the, the chief engineers that they've established thus far, are completely superfluous, and they don't really seem to care about them plot-wise. Yep. I mean, except Argyle, who we love. Except Argyle, because he's got a great beard <laughs> and a great New York accent. To interfere in the domestic affairs of other societies. But you can interact. Of course. Otherwise, how can we learn? Is that why you're here with me tonight? To learn? Mm. Yes. About our society? Yes. Well, in our society, it is the men who are the fortunate ones, enjoying all life has to offer. Why we women devote ourselves to the obligation of making life work. In our society, we share the responsibilities and the pleasures equally, which is why I'm able to be here with you while the women of the away team go to find Ramsey. You have to remind me to thank them when they come back for giving us this time. Putting the hair through the chest. I mean, the hand through the hair on the chest. Yeah. Would that, be, that would be a shaved chest today, wouldn't it? You resist. I don't know. I feel like the 80s. Don't you find me attractive? Definitely was more of a hairy chest era, but... Yes, I find you very attractive. You've got your, like, Hugh Jackman. You still have it. It's true. It's not my function to seduce or be seduced by the leader of another world. Isn't it? It's not the reason. No, it's not. But will you still respect me in the morning? Mm, I hope so. I think I hope not would have been a funnier line there. This is the scene, if you're watching, you can see a crew member reflected in that orb. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah. So, while the cat's away, Riker will play. Uh, Riker's being very 
Kirk-like in this episode. He sure is. And I think that that is... I just think that that's something that they... I don't know if they lacked it or if they... They got it. Riker's womanizing. Yeah, what? Never feels as womanizing. As this? As, no, as Kirk's. Right. I mean, Kirk usually feels like the aggressor. Uh huh. And I think it's fun that on this planet where things are flipped, yeah. she's the aggressor. Well, yes. But. I don't know. I mean, this is this was the heart of the scene, and and then the later scene with his speech, that I was sort of like, well, what what is the point they're making other than the sexes should be equal in sort of a general way? Because Riker's handling it pretty well. She's treating him with a decent amount of respect. Mm-hmm. She's being pretty gentle about it, and I kind of thought it would have been more interesting if she was super aggressive with him. To see how those gender politics played out. I, well, uh, how? What do you mean? I don't know. Like, like ag- aggressive, inappropriately in the way that that um, you know, women. I think have to deal with more in in our current society. Mm. Um, Maybe even you know what I would think would have been interesting is if because he kind of is so chill about it when Troy and. Um, and Tasha are kind of uh, giving him shit about it and how he's dressing up for her and he's wearing jewelry and he's got the crazy open shirt. And and it kind of felt like he was so like confident and relaxed about it that it's like it's not putting him out at all. And it's kind of not a perfect gender reversal. Whereas if she put him in a position, writing-wise, if they had chosen to put him in a position where he... Like she almost was sort of saying, you know, you play ball with me and then we'll, you know, we'll give you some leeway on this stuff with the survivors. I think that would have been a more interesting thing to see how Riker handled. I, I, I agree to a point, but I feel like this episode is ham fisted in many different areas uh, with the medical crisis on board the ship. With the fact that they script the so in the production draft of the script, the virus that is contracted by everybody yeah. was from a school field trip to a planet. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Makes I don't know a thousand more sen- percent more sense than uh, than this bullshit holodeck thing. Yeah, uh, and the other thing too that they changed. What if was, they had made it an STD that uh, Riker um, moves to the ship that Riker brought back from? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You know, I'm I've been uh reading about Karen Montgomery while we've been doing this episode of uh-huh. the show here. Okay. And I find it weird that she's saying starring most notably as Princess Beata in a 1988 episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Why? Uh, that's what she's most known for. I feel like Well, I don't can't be. Also, even she's not Amazon princess. Won't... She's not princess. She's not princess. She's the elected one? Is that what they call her? Uh yes, the elected one. And then it says she moved to behind the scenes role, working as an assistant to screenwriter Waldo Salt, director Hal Ashby, and producer and producer Bruce Gilbert on 1978's Coming Home. 
I did tell you she moved behind the scenes, man. She passed. Uh, she passed away after in 2015. I, I feel like I, I didn't get to appreciate her while she was alive. She could have been on the show. Ay ay ay. Sometimes, guys, you should really think about seizing the moment. Life moves pretty fast. Mistress Beata, be damned. Her wish is not my command, and neither is yours. You can't force us to go. Mr. Ramsey is correct, Counselor. The Odin was not a starship, which means her crew is not bound by the Prime Directive. (laughs) Mistress Beata, be damned. So this is the first instance of what... The crew member, the crew has crash landed on this. This the the survivors of the freighter Odin right. crash landed on Angel One. Yeah, uh, and then they've been found by uh, other revolutionary types who want to uh, change the way things are going. You know, the Susan B. Anthony's of their days, right? Um, and Riker just wants to be in the moth, but they can't because of the Prime Directive. Now. I have some questions. So it's Prime Directive that prevents them from beaming them off. Yep. Um, however, they're not obligated to obey his orders because they're not part of Starfleet. So couldn't theoretically he beam them off because they're just civilians and they shouldn't be on the planet anyway? Well, they're members of the Federation. It'd be like military police coming in and removing me from my home. You'd need some serious situations but for that. But it's not like that. It's like removing you from someone else's home. But it's a planet. So? It's not their planet. Yes. Well, that's interesting. I don't know. I'm with me. <laughs> <laughs> but you isn't making good points. <laughs> um, I guess the Prime Directive stuff, and also, I mean, there's a general problem that I have, which is, it's another one of these episodes where Riker basically says, I don't care. I'm beaming them off. And, uh, and, and it's just, that's his solution. And then, and then Data says, yeah, but we can't do that because that breaks the Prime Directive. And he's like, I don't care. <laughs> it's like, well, then why do we have the Prime Directive? Rich to sick bay. How are you doing, doctor? We have more sick than we do beds. So far, I've been forced to confine over 300 to their private quarters. We're going to be seriously undermanned if we're forced to engage the Romulans in battle. Have you noticed? Did you notice in the scene this background extra is in sick bay and on board the bridge? Oh, amazing! No, <laughs> I just noticed it. That's amazing. If you look here, uh, young Andrew. Her, right? Uh, they really also pick somebody who's really... Uh-huh. Very recognizable. Very identifiable. Romulans are your problem, Lieutenant. Trying to find an inoculant is mine. This virus mutates every 20 minutes. Beverly, as but always, in over her head due to her Yet. major if this continues, learning problems. And there she is. The ship. Oh, my God. If this continues, Lieutenant LaForge. <laughs> and then she Nobody just walked back that way and took me. Maybe she beamed herself sight to sight beam and then was helping another Enterprise person. here, go ahead. She also could be a twin member of a twin crew member. Could be a twin. on the same ship. Yeah, here. She could be an alien race that exists as a twin, like everyone's born as a twin and they have a symbiotic uh, life force. Yeah. I just made up an alien race for us. In the vastness of space, when the going gets rough, you gave it your all. You showed the right stuff. You managed to not blow the ship to smithereens. 
I'm playing the wrong theme. Oh, what was the theme? I thought we were going... It was the MVC theme. I'm the worst person ever. Oh, that was the MVC theme. Oh, Jesus Guys, Christ. I think it's really time for an Andy's Theory. And I will soon be taking over all sound operations on board this oh, vessel. You've made just as many mistakes as me. That's not true. You made a lot. You are not true. I am true. I am as true as the dawn. You're not true. Um, why don't we just go to this part? Matt's theories are very interesting because Matt's really smart. <laughs> oh, this is a Matt's theory. Well, you know, you had like nine theories there. Okay, my theory is that this is not just a mistake by a production crew throwing the same medical extra into a scene where they're clearly having LaForge talk to sickbay. Uh, I'm supposing that she is a member of a race that is born always as twins and their life force exists simultaneously that's why they're serving on the same ship they can't be separated by more than let's say three thousand meters or they start to die or they weaken considerably until right. the other twin returns that's how their hair turned white that's or like hair that's, all their all their hairs are, are white. all their hair is white right of that entire race yeah Right. Then the so my theory is that the crew uh, production crew did not mess up. We just didn't know the backstory. Andy's Matt. theories are very interesting because Matt's. he's really smart. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Finally got a theory. I feel like I've appropriately given up my theory in this episode because uh, I screwed it up the theme. <laughs> Um, no, you. When do you? When are you getting to your theory? I don't. I, that's my theory. I don't, we've I don't encompassed know. all of the show, and I haven't heard a theory from you. I know, I, I Andy. Don't. You can't not have an Andy's theory. Sure, I can. No, you can't. Yeah, well, you had a Matt's theory. I don't. I had a Matt's theory, theory, but that's just a separate thing. What, is it a separate thing? It's a separate thing altogether. One we can we need an Andy's theory. We don't need an. Andy's oh my theory. God, Andy! You have to have a theory. <laughs> have a theory about Trent. <laughs> Um, Play the theme song and then have a theory about Trent. Oh, Jesus. Come on, master improviser. Oh, what a douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> you got to have a theory about Trent. He's so pretty. Where are all the bathrooms at? Who let an android have a cat? Is Data just pretending to be so dim? No one knows the answers. Least of all him, it's Um, I think uh, Trent is um, is actually uh, a lady, and the entire the entire uh, gender politics on this uh, on this <laughs> on this planet are broken. <laughs> That's a terrible theory. It is a terrible theory. You forced it on me. We have a song to sing about that. But um, I feel like the song it's is Andy's terrible theory. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I was kind of musing around to take you inside the mind of Andrew Skinner. Please. I was musing around during this episode like, what's my theory? And honestly, the theory that I was coming up with was that Riker is a virgin, but it was redundant with my theory that Picard is a virgin, and there's much more evidence. Um, that I, like Riker never has sex with these people, but it it just didn't it didn't fit, and I was like, eh, what do I? I just gotta a force a theory. What if uh, what if Riker's just like an alien pleaser? You know, he just likes to get down and dirty and give them their just due. What if Riker has never You're saying ejaculated? That, 
Uh huh. Riker's like a like an alien sub. <laughs> what do you mean? He's an alien submissive. Oh, <laughs> I thought a submarine. I was like, what is that? What is that? I'm trying to picture that. Is that like uh, like when the cloaked vessel is fighting in the cloak? Um, yeah. Well, I think he's just I like that, I don't know if a sub doesn't ejaculate. No, uh, he's a he's one of these. Uh, um, he's a trick. He's a neckbeard. He's a milady. <laughs> I don't know what those terms mean. Yeah, ironic. Is that does. sex stuff? It's uh, Reddit stuff. Oh. He's uh, he wants to please the ladies. Okay, and doesn't worry about himself. Andy's or Matt's theories. theories. Very interesting because he's Andy's really or Matt's. Yeah, theories pretty bad. Oh, oh, sorry. That was fun. I really had a good time with a theory. Do you get at it? Let's hear um, Gates McFadden acting in a scene where she still thinks that they're going to wind up putting Picard and Crusher together. No one's told her yet. It looks horrible, tastes worse. And it's absolutely guaranteed to make you feel better. Oh, yeah. That's some deep eye contact. I knew you'd like it. Are you wearing cologne? Like something I smelled earlier, something Klingon. Lieutenant Wolf and I detected the same scent when we bumped into your son at the holodeck. It's that smell. That's how the virus travels. An airborne particle whose sweet scent inspires deep inhalation. And once inside the body, it comes that damn virus. Uh I have work to do. All right. All right, so now no. she knows it's airborne. Excuse, doctor. I have uh, I have, I have a couple of questions, and I and I actually, this isn't a new theory, but it ties into both my old theories. The virus. Oh, here. Andy's theory. Um, the virus starts from whom, Matthew? The host. Uh, no, patient zero. Who is patient zero? Oh, where did this virus begin? Yes. Who started it? Was it perhaps Wesley an Crusher? evil genius? It was indeed Wesley Crusher. Are you saying that he knew the holodeck protocols were still broken from the big goodbye week? And I, he went in there and was like, I can turn the safety protocol off and make a real virus in here. A hundred percent. And uh, also supporting my other theory, mm-hmm. um, Beverly Crusher here, A, figures out what the issue is, and it's another scene of her saying you can't beam back after she figures it out. She's been struggling all episode. Well, there's still a chance that she might not get to the uh, cure in time. But she's talking in the later scene like, you cannot beam up. No way. Yeah, because the ship should be under quarantine. I just feel like as soon as she realizes it's a... It's a it's she a, can't let everybody up, then everybody will be sick, then there'll be no one left. As soon as she realizes it's an olifactory transmitted disease, yeah. 
that should be the moment of, oh, that's it. And that's the way it's presented is like, that's the answer. And then she rushes off. And the next time you see her, she's like, I can't do it again. Well, she has to know how it's contracted so that she can begin to find a cure. Yeah. Well, so. I guess I'm saying that someone without a learning disability would have been able to piece it together faster. <laughs> You're saying a uh, chief medical officer of board of Federation starship without a learning disability would learn how to, would have figured out how to do this? Yes. And then a nit, a nitpicker side of it... Um, she smells the Klingon. She is infected. She that's smelled a, it. That's a good subtitle for this podcast. Star Trek: The Next Conversation: The Nitpicker's Guide to the Galaxy. <laughs> there is a book called The Nitpicker's Great. Guide to Star Trek. It's a good title. Um, but she smells the Klingon smell. She's therefore infected. She. I don't believe they ever even show her to having any issues. Well, let's hear it. It's Crusher here. Must be worse up there than we thought. Zing. Fucking zing from Tasha Yar. Is it a zing? Crusher here? Must be worse up there than we thought. Oh. Like burn to the fucking thing. <laughs> it's true. It's a fucking burn. That's a chief security officer burn. That is true. And someone that outranks her. Snap. <laughs> it's amazing. Oh, Jesus. Doctor, where's Lieutenant LaForge? He's right here, but he's in bad shape. I can do it. I can just put me back in the captain's chair. I'm not I'm not finished being the captain of the Enterprise. This virus is totally out of control here. Doctor. These people are facing their death down here. They might be facing the same thing up here. Until I have a better idea what I'm dealing with, no one can beam up. Send two shuttle down. I'm sorry, Will, but you must wait. <laughs> sorry. Understood. Doctor? Doctor? Does this virus have any effect Doctor? on Mr. Data? Doctor? Doctor? No. Not likely. He's a machine. Oh, sorry. You're going back there alone. It took them all this you time. to get the Enterprise into the neutral zone before it's too late. This is Data, standing by to beam up. Oh, yeah. There goes data. Okay, so my question, uh, my first question is, yeah, they should have. I mean, it's not a question, it's a statement. They, sh- they, they it Obviously, as soon as this thing started happening and they were saying they were running out of crew, I was like, what, uh, why aren't they just sending data up? Are they going to establish that he, he can get the disease? Nope, he can't get the disease, just didn't occur to anybody. And then the second thing is, um, and so you can he address this. fucked up in the naked now, right? Yeah, he does. Makes because no my physiology is sim- more similar to yours than you think, Captain. Um, but it's not as Argyle approved. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that's right. Because she was she was just sort of standing around uh-huh. um, when the surgery on Data was happening. And then my second thing is more of a question for you, Matt. Mm. Um, can't Data kind of handle the bridge against the Romulans if need be? Uh, like go into a full firefight with the Romulans and just he thinks and works so fast that he'd be able to handle everything from one con? Uh, I think he could operate the ship like that if he wanted to, yeah. So the whole thing but is But then he'd have problems like we need people, they need people at battle stations, they need people in the torpedo bay, they need do people. Do they? I think they do. They have to load the torpedoes. Let's say something happens in the torpedo bay, like the torpedo uh, shunt, shoot, 
Right. What do you call it? Who that? left a shoe in here? The torpedo uh, tube gets out of alignment or something, and they have to manually load a torpedo. Data can't be down there doing that. Look at all the crumbs in here. The torpedoes can't launch. <laughs> Argyle. <laughs> oh, sorry. I was hungry. Have you seen this pastrami from Angel One? <laughs> I got this from Katz's down on the Lower East Side. <laughs> of Angel One. Every planet's got a Lower East Side. That's what they don't tell you in the Academy. <laughs> I don't know if it was enough. Oh, that's a speech. Did you skip over the speech? Yeah, would you like to hear his terrible speech? I don't know. I mean, no, I'll play it. I'm okay. happy to play it. Uh, you don't have to, but go ahead. 3852 is where it starts. Or your citizens, as you see fit. Make your point so we can proceed with this unpleasant business. When you spoke of the prisoners, you used the term revolutionary. Indeed, death has been known to stop revolutions. But I suspect it's not a revolution that Angel One is hoping to stop. It's evolution. Mr. Ramsey and the Odin survivors did not initiate the waves of dissent that are rippling through your planet. Their presence here merely reinforced the change in attitudes between men and women that was already well underway. They became symbols around whom others who shared their views could gather. You may eliminate the symbols, but that does not mean death to the issues which those symbols represent. No power in the universe can hope to stop the force of evolution. Be warned. Um, so when he's talking about evolution, yeah, it's really weird how they keep hitting the word evolution. Yeah, I think that someone in the writer's room was like, revolution, evolution. Guys, oh, is that what it, it is? Yes. Because evolution, to me, would suggest that he was, as a male, saying some weird thing about the evolutionary roles of men and women. Oh, no. I think he was more talking about that they would evolve to become an equal society. But this is the thing. He never says that. He does not say that. But we are supposed to interpret that. Well, I wish he had said it. That's all. He beams up and leaves them copies of Murphy Brown. <laughs> and then play um, 4157, or I can. I got it. You seem to enjoy it. It's having, I'm having a great time over here. To an ancient Earth game. It's also a reference to success data. I've got the inoculant. Excellent, Doctor. We still have 17 minutes left. I will inform the away team immediately. Enterprise to Riker. We are now ready to have you beamed up, Commander. Oh. Data. Ran yes. I'm sorry. Oh, no. What did you do, Andy? Um, did you have the wrong time written down again? I. What did you want? Oh, no, no. Sorry. Keep playing. Okay. And the prisoners are with us in the Great Hall. I want you to lock in the transporter. Prepare to evacuate the entire group. But for now, stand by. Right. Understood, Commander. Okay, and then play... So he gives him that directive. Mm -hmm. And then at 43... At 43... Little time left for revolutionary or evolutionary upheaval. As some have observed, we may not be able to stop evolution, but perhaps we can reduce it to a slow crawl. 
for a man can be very clever, Commander Riker. Oh. Wink. Riker to Enterprise. Delay my previous order, Mr. Data. It's cheaper to have us beam up in front of an empty wall. That's why we moved over here. Well, my point was going to be under that... The thing? Oh, the thing I talked over? (laughs) Yeah. He says... After he goes through the whole thing... It's okay. It doesn't matter. He says, basically... Um, belay my previous order. Just beam the three of us up to basically don't beam the rest of us up after he was hiding that from her. So basically she says, you're very clever. I really appreciate your words and your your straightforwardness. And he goes, all right, never mind. We're not going to fuck him over <laughs> in front of everybody. Oh, I, I think it was very good. She was, she was standing there when he gave that original order. No, she wasn't. She was not? No, that was in private because that was their secret plan to break the prime directive if all else failed. And that's my question is this is what what is the point of the prime directive if it's just like, yeah, I mean, we should stick the prime, you know, unless we really like I think it's to save life. I understand that, but then. We would be. I, I think sort she's of a, there. I think she's there. It's the malleable I think dir- she's there. directive. All right, let's go back to it. It's uh, what was what timing was that? It is um, forty one fifty seven. She's there. Is it? Yeah. Hang on. I don't believe you. She's right there. We will adjourn to consider your words. Wait. Oh, is it right after this? Yes. Oh, she leaves. Yeah, she's. He, they're just in the. They're just amongst all the prisoners and people. Well, and the guards, and the other people. I just don't feel like they would. Be I don't having, think it was a. Plan. I don't feel I don't like think it was a plan he was trying to hide. Oh, it's a hundred percent a plan he was trying to hide. They Disagree. There's. It doesn't make logical sense that they would be Disagree. trying to. They would be trying to. Um, why would she be arguing oh, I'm anything? I'm sorry. You think something on Star Trek doesn't make logical sense? Well, that's And fine. it's impossible just... in the first season of Star Trek The Next Generation for something to not make logical sense Look, on an episode where they have gotten a disease from the holodeck? Well, yes, but you're arguing that that doesn't make sense in that he was in it, the writer's intention was for him to... Uh, that he was he was not trying to hide that he was going to beam them all out of there if they if they voted against him and the whole pretense of the episode is maintain diplomatic relations and don't inflict our will on them so he wouldn't have been saying it in front of them like well if it all goes wrong I just want you all to know that I'm gonna fucking do whatever I want to do there's no way that that's what they intended well then maybe he's like well fuck you I was gonna do it anyway but I'm outie. <laughs> well, that's, that's my problem with it. <laughs> Welcome home. It's good to be back. Are they recovering? Slowly, but yes. And the captain? The captain is fine, thank you. A weird tap on the shoulder Data there. Data has been briefing me on the away team's comportment number one. We, um... Improvised, sir. Mm. I look forward to your reports. Don't we have a call to pay on the Romulans, Captain? Indeed we do. Mr. Data set course for the neutral zone. Warp six. Coordinates set. Warp six on your mark, sir. Okay. Haha, <laughs> can't say it. Sir? Engage. Um... Why do they go at warp six, Matt? 
Do you have any idea? Uh, it's As a, opposed it's to a, maximum it, warp? It's a steady cruising speed for the ship's engines. You're not taxing it too much and on your way into battle. I'll accept that. Did you just come up with that? Yeah. Yeah, that's a reasonable explanation. <laughs> I'm just here to just come up with things. Guys, it's time to talk about who the MVC was of this episode. Do you need to hear the theme again? <laughs> oh, I think we do. You know what we can do? Because so- one time someone said we were very morning zoo-like, and I want to keep that going. Well, I can play a different theme anyway. Oh, no. It's the MVC, yeah, the MVC. Only Matt and Andy know who it's gonna be. Will it be Data, Riker, Troy, or Dr. Crusher? Gotta fill the time with something, at least until season three. Well, Andy, I've given a careful consideration for this episode. Yeah, I'm curious. There's a lot going on. Sure. Two heavy stories. I would say it's a dual A story in this episode. Uh huh. I have to give the most valuable crew member award to Dr. Beverly Crusher. <laughs> That's insanity. Why are you laughing at me? That is insanity. If she can't cure them, the ship, they all could die. Yeah, she put the entire, she put the, the outpost that is being attacked by the Romulans and the entire ship in danger by being such a poor medical officer that she couldn't figure it out even after she realized it was being transferred through smell. It took forever for her to figure it out. But without her, where are they? They, I they're, feel like McCoy would have had this, this. They're dead in orbit of Angel One. McCoy would have had this solved in a in a snap. It, to me, this is a face off between Riker, who gives the the mumbo jumbo speech at the end, and sleeps with Beata to try and you know make stuff uh, make make the, uh, the 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 diplomatic smooth over the, the diplomatic edges. Yeah, that's what he's doing. Um, and you know to get his to get his Riker on. <laughs> and, um, and uh, and data who uh, um, he's the one who really saves it. Hang on a second. How does he save it? Here, let me let me play how he saves it. I don't understand what's going on, guys. Uh, Andy's clearly wrong. He's not thinking big picture. He's thinking tiny picture. Hang on, thirty. He's thinking tiny four by three picture on a phone or a computer. Thirty six. Andy. Yes. Hang on. Just one more second. I don't understand what you're trying to do now. I'm trying to play a little moment. Mm. All right. Here we go. The elected one will not look fondly upon you. Enterprise. Good old Trent. They're still here. Riker here. Data, I gave you direct orders to get to the neutral zone immediately. Explain the delay. To be precise, Commander, you ordered me to reach the neutral zone before it is too late. After relieving Lieutenant LaForge... I computed the length of time the border outpost and the USS Berlin can safely withstand a Romulan attack. Deducted our time to destination at maximum warp speed. That leaves Dr. Crusher 48 minutes to develop an inoculant to the virus. Which means there's still time for us to do something. 48 minutes. Uh, 47, sir. Perhaps, Data. Perhaps. Thank you for following my order so precisely, Data. On second thought, Trent, so we would be honored to witness your moral imperative in action. You're giving 
it to data because of that. Trent looks very flustered. Um, yeah, he uh, they were they weren't even going to go and give a speech until Data called them and and uh, told them I'm hanging out until you. Uh, they were going to give a speech because they weren't going to go. Data left. They weren't going to attend. They weren't going to be out to the ship because the ship was still full of sick people and a virus that was uncured. No, I understand that. But they were going to hang out there, but they weren't going to attend the execution. I, I I agree with you now that I'm saying it out loud. Is that it doesn't make writing sense, and that's why I was confused. I still maintain, because because basically what they're presenting there is right. Data called them, uh-huh. told them, I'm hanging in orbit right. because I have 47 minutes left. There's no reason for them not to go to the thing, is what I'm saying. But they weren't going to go to the right. thing before he called. Again. And then it changed. Doesn't make a ton of However, sense. However, I will say that he also took over the ship, so there would have been nobody running the ship when he went up. Yes. Um. So the ship would have been destroyed there been destroyed where well at least would have not, you wouldn't have saved the outpost uh-huh wouldn't have saved the outpost in the neutral zone we don't even know if they did we have to assume they did right who knows well they at least gave them a shot to i'm just saying well then why not Riker? he's the one that gave the speech because crusher enabled the people that we love and see every week to survive all right you've convinced me yay mvc dr crusher we did it america (laughs) well i was really misled it's time for the andes andy okay the andes you say yeah where we find out how many andes we give this episode on a scale of one to ten andes or some other method of ranking we're working on it we are indeed working on it. I think I'd like you to rank this episode first this time. Oh, I'd be happy to. Uh, Angel One, more like Angel None. No. One and a half Andes. One and a half, really? A real snooze-a-lose on this episode. You know, it's, it's oh, interesting. It's getting the one and a half because I've enjoy, I enjoyed uh, LaForge, Worf, Crusher, and Picard. Those are the things I enjoyed of this episode. You know what's interesting is I I wanted you to go first because I always feel like what happens is I give my ranking and then you you give your ranking and it's a little bit lower than mine. Uh-huh. And I want to see what would happen. And I give it a two. Oh my God, is that real? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Andy, I guess we just like things a similar amount, but me a little bit less. Yeah. It's interesting because I kind of feel like I like the I like Jordy being in charge uh-huh. and um, agreed, totally agreed. And uh, and I mean, it's I guess it's just a bottom line is like where you where you fall on the same evaluation because it's definitely snoozeville. This episode is oh so snoozy, just nothing. So Swayze, it's crazy. Yeah, is that that's from Goldberg? Isn't it? it is. Yeah. Um. So. Andy, yeah, I, it might be time. Oh, for letters to open up hailing frequencies. Okay, open up hailing frequencies. You say I do say that. Captain, Captain we are being hailed. I'm all discombobulated. Well, now. we changed the format of the show seconds into it. So, uh, okay, uh, our first hail is from Ben Randall, who tweeted at us. If uh, this is regarding the big goodbye, uh, mm-hmm. if Picard brought real lipstick into the holodeck and made the hologram use it, it would stay on his face. Creepy. 
Hashtag creepy. He brought, you're saying that he would bring real <laughs> lipstick so, into the holodeck and ask the fake woman he made. Yeah. I thought it was really funny. That's that he crazy. Would do that. What are you holding, Captain Picard? Don't worry about it. <laughs> Get to your station. Um, this is a letter from Troy Ray. Um, it's a little longer, mm-hmm. um, but we have less letters this week. Um, I have a question for you as writers. A lot of your criticism of this first season of the show has been about character development or lack thereof. There's also been writing for characters uh, that seems way out of character for them. A lot of Andrew's questions and criticisms are things which became resolved or become resolved over the course of the series. Uh They seem invalid to longtime viewers. That's where my question comes in. How much... Hiya, Bo. Um, No. Um, How much about a character's personality or background is appropriate to put in the show ASAP? Would doing that avoid attracting your criticism or questions? If there is a show Bible, how do you convey the information in that Bible in 42-minute segments? Or do you take a page from Aaron Sorkin and say nothing about a character personality or history uh, is true until it appears on the page and then on the screen? And then uh, the last example he has is Captain Picard's favorite drink is Earl Grey served hot. Is it good writing or bad writing to learn that from the show over the course of a decade when he orders that drink whenever he gets a chance or uh, would it be good or bad for him in some early scene of the show to say I love Earl Grey it's my favorite drink thanks for your time and thanks for the podcast Um, I believe Uh, likes and dislikes are not character traits well she also says an example almost everything we know about Lieutenant Tasha Yar comes to the viewer after Denise Crosby leaves the show we learn about that through uh, about Tasha through the reactions and dialogue of the other characters. That could be right. bad writing. We are looking at this show as people who are watching it for the first time. I'm just here to sort of go, well, Andy, they kind of fixed that. But as a as a someone revisiting and watching it, 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 I think a lot of, if not all, of Andy's criticisms are very valid for what they're doing with this. Um, I would say also the uh, like Captain Picard with Earl Grey, even though it's not a major point, and I think he's just using it as an example. Is like, yeah, I don't, I don't mind finding that out later. I don't care. I think the problem I would have is if it's Captain Picard is a big coffee drinker, right. and then suddenly, without yeah. explanation, would you join me on the bridge for this? <laughs> I think that'll help. He's suddenly drinking Earl Grey, and that's the kind of thing that I have a problem uh-huh. with. I don't have any problem with them slowly revealing stuff about characters. I think my main problem with, and I think it may have been a problem I had with the characters um, in general with the uh-huh. show and why I was less interested, is I feel like they had less sharp, active characterizations until as we're going there's some that are built and i feel like you need a certain amount built up to give the show dramatic momentum i agree with you thank you um but i mean it can't you know we can't we're not going to blame them for character trait it's kind of distracting <laughs> what are you? We're on the bridge. I mean, there's stuff going on behind. I don't us. know how those people think. Well, I mean, there's sitting. a lot happening. <laughs> but like, for instance, uh, you know, when we find out Riker loves jazz, I don't. It's not right. Uh, there's a difference between someone loves jazz and the only thing they say about themselves is they ran away from rape gangs. There's a there's a difference right in character development there. Well, more of my problem with the rape gang stuff is I don't feel like it adds up in her 
characterization behavior. in a clean yeah. way. Yeah. I, I get that they're sort of saying she's aggressive and she's a survivor, but I just feel like it could be done in a more elegant way. And and then sometimes she's acting like a child, and right. sometimes she's acting sexy, and it's just all over the place. It is a little all over the place. Um, okay. So we also got a letter, uh, or in subspace communication, from uh, Drew DeFonzo Marks, our friend, um, who had written, Can't Jordy be a pedophile? And a mechophile, uh-huh. referring to two uh, contradictory, not contradictory, uh, as his point, uh, theories. I did, uh, r- I did amend the pedophile theory to say that he's a mechophile. And I did not respond to it. And then um, about a month later, <laughs> so that's why I'm bringing it up, Drew wrote to me, I'm bumping this up because this question is, quote, important. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so Drew, you got your your message in, and uh, as a, just an FYI to everyone else, you're not going to get your your unread letter <laughs> read by pumping it up. I just have to deal with him directly. So, oh, that's interesting. Uh, Charlie Short uh, writes, um, "Hey, fellas, a few things on the episodes you've covered already, but on this season in general, it seems like every script and this address is exactly the point you were making, Matt." Seems like every script is two stories that are being slammed together and suffer as a result. Hide and Q, Justice, and The Big Goodbye all have cool ideas at their heart, but they seem overstuffed and at the same time underdeveloped. If that makes sense, uh, I think it does make it sense. Does, totally. Charlie. I love the idea of Picard tricking Riker into giving up the power of the Q, but the granting of the wishes is done so poorly it makes me hate the episode. <laughs> Runes what comes before it. 100% agree. Uh-huh. Thanks, guys, and keep up the good work. You got a dog about to leap on you, Matthew. That's my. That's that's what I do here. I have Bo that likes to come on and hang out. And uh, yeah, I mean, you basically already addressed my last point on that thing, which was in Angel One. They do the same thing with the virus plot and the ladies on the planet. I mean, plot. they're very heavy stories that are encompassing the entire crew. Like it's crazy. You can't have like I like you know I like a story when like, um, Worf's parents are visiting and there's a crisis on the ship. Like that's a story I like. Right. Where it's like, I don't have to focus on Worf's parents visiting. It's a fun little B story. Right. Right. I don't it's a want, character story versus... I don't want the death of Colony and the death of the starship for two unrelated reasons. Right. That's why when in the second scene you fucking put that perfume in my face. Yeah. They better be related reasons. Yeah. Like, I would love it if, like, in the beam out something happened that went up you know some the scent somehow returned to the pad and that's how the virus started you know what that's i think why i was misled by data's move is it and it was presented with this dramatic thing of like wait a minute the thing that's happening on the ship is changing everything and then once we pull it apart it's like wait a minute it had no effect on it at all nothing but Riker just happened to make a decision to go and give a speech then. And by the way, they play triumphant music and Trent looks all flustered when he runs out the door. Yeah. And it's not clear what was decided that's going to help anything. Nothing. Anyhow, um, uh, just as a side issue, uh, Timon Singh. Um, I wonder if he's related to Khan Noonien. Oh, shit. Um, uh, he writes, it's cast Star Trek CBS, just chilling out for James Frain's birthday. Can't wait to see Michelle Yeoh. Yo. Michelle Yeoh. Yeah. Oh, wow. I'm such a fan of Y-E-O. hers. I've been pronouncing it wrong for a long time. I've been a fan of hers. Sent back since Police Story 3. Wow. Not Super Cop, as it was later retitled. 
um, in America. Can't wait to see her in command of a starship. Me too. She's the best. She's uh, such a badass. She's the com- captain of not the Discovery. She's like a, a different captain, huh? Yeah. I'm yeah. just wondering how they're going to deal with two different crews and how they're going to make that work. I kind of like that idea. Uh, Colin Keane then writes... I don't know if you could tell, Andy, but we've just beamed over to the Voyager. It sounded vaguely more pleasant and familiar to me. Um, uh, Colin Keane wrote, uh, Hey, Matt and Andy had an idea for either a segment or a category in the end of season Andy's. Oh, uh-huh. I was thinking he was saying it for every episode. But no, for the end of season Andy's. We're doing an award show, remember? Uh-huh. Matt, you should dust off an old Nerdist classic and give the most awkward, cringeworthy moment the designation Alpha 3-9. Okay. I can Um, do that. Also wanted to say this show has filled the James Bonding-shaped hole in my podcast queue. Keep up the good work, and thanks for the reminder that I'm not the only one who enjoys picking apart movies and shows that I love. Uh, Thank you for listening. You sound like uh, someone who's going to enjoy the fact that uh, pretty soon James Bonding will be back. It is exciting. But don't... That means, you know, we fill the hole with both of these shows don't not listen to one no um and that is um your hailing your talk hails. salad with talk salad and scrambled eggs the fraser podcast is also back andy you got you are just i don't know if you i don't know if you noticed but hiatus has happened so james bonding is back talk salad is back uh man dory's excellent adventure still going start Trek the next conversation cruising along at warp six and the nerdist podcast i'm back on there as well i just when you say all this stuff i don't feel like you're amzadi <laughs> and it, it upsets me andy i'm here for you that's it huh uh that's right what a fun week guys if you have any prime correctives you can reach us at uh, our email address that i never know it is sttncpod at gmail.com, and uh, you can tweet us at Star Trek TNC. Um, and uh, that's it for now. Yeah. Uh, and then also, you feel free. Do we, we don't have a voicemail set up, do we? And let us know if it worked better with the mail at the end. Let us know, yes. We should get a Google voicemail set up. Uh, I know nothing about that. Oh, people could leave us, call us, and leave us voicemails. Oh, that'd be great. That'd be a fun thing to do. I think we'll do that. Uh, we have one over on the Excellent Adventure. Okay. So I think that that would be a great thing to have on Star Trek The Next Conversation. We hope you're enjoying the episode. Please let us know how you feel about the uh, ambient bridge noise, if that's making you annoyed or making <laughs> you happy, if you like driving in the in your car with it. Uh, let me know all of those things. You can also tweet individually at us. I'm at Matt Myra M A T T M I R A, and Andy is at Secunda S E C U N D A. Matt, I'm I'm on the bridge alone. I'm the only one that hasn't gotten the cold. Oh no! <laughs> Let's see how to pronounce Michelle. Uh. <laughs> Michelle Yeo. Yep. Michelle Yeo. Yep. What happened? Oh, I'm on a turbo lift. Am I? Am I there? <laughs> I guess I'm there. I guess I stepped on with you. <laughs> well, uh, I think we had a pretty good show. What do you think? That was okay. Uh, I felt it was a, maybe it was, maybe it was a little bit sleepier than a regular one. No, I liked it. I think we did a great job. You oh, always feel like we did. This a good is my job. deck. All right, see you, pal. Going to the holodeck. deck.
think I'm going to go to the transporter room. <laughs> oh, site to site transport. Disengage. I hope some of you left this up. Just so you felt like you were driving on the Enterprise. Okay, bye. <laughs> it's like a bonus track. <laughs>